Amen. If you've got your Bibles, turn me to the book of Genesis, chapter 27. Genesis, chapter 27. I'm not sure if I let you know earlier concerning the true loves, but this afternoon, I think at 2 is the viewing, and 3 is the funeral, if you'd like to go to that. Amen. We'll not have service tonight now. You'll be spending time with your dads and all of those kind of things. So I want you to just, uh, you know, just enjoy that. Always on holiday times, we always... Always do that, so spend some time with your dads and let them know that you, you love them. Amen. Fatherhood has changed over the years, has it not? If you don't understand what I'm talking about, all you've got to do is just stop, look at the television set, look at things around you, look at people around you, look at men around you, and understand that fatherhood has changed over the years. Fatherhood has changed in our society. But I really don't think the perception of what God's perception is, of what Father is to be, has changed so much. He is still the same. The same yesterday, today, and forever. His view upon fatherhood has not changed. And it would behoove us as God's people today and as fathers, as dads today, to understand our role in our relationship to the Father. Genesis chapter 27, there's an old, old story that we use as our text today in verse 25. Verse 25 says, And he said, Bring it near to me, and I will eat of my son's game, so that my soul may bless you. So he brought it near to him, and he ate, and he brought him wine, and he drank. Then his father Isaac said to him, Come near now and kiss me, my son. He came near and he kissed him, smelled the smell of his clothing and blessed him and said, Surely the smell of my son is like the smell of a field which the Lord has blessed. Therefore, may God give you of the dew of heaven, of the fatness of the earth, and plenty of grain and wine. Let people serve you and nations bow down to you, be master over your brethren, and let your mother's sons bow down to you. Cursed be everyone who curses you and blessed be those who bless you. Now it happened as soon as Isaac had finished blessing Jacob. And Jacob had scarcely gone out from the presence of Isaac his father that Esau, his brother, came in from his hunting. He also had made a savory food and brought it to his father and said to his father, Let my father arise and eat of this son's game that your son, that your soul may bless me. And his father Isaac said to him, Who are you? And he said, I'm your son, your firstborn Esau. Then Isaac trembled exceedingly and said, Who? Where is the one who hunted game and brought it to me? I ate all of it before you came. And I have blessed him. And indeed, he shall be blessed. When Esau heard the words of his father and cried, he cried with an exceedingly great and bitter cry and said to his father, Bless me, me also, O my father. Bless me, O my father. I many of you remember the old story of Isaac and his two sons, Jacob and Esau, and the blessing. You understand the connection there with Jacob. Jacob was a deceiver. 
Not only was he a deceiver, but his mom was a little deceived, a deceiver as well. And you know the story of how they tricked the dad, and the dad gave the blessing to the secondborn. This 27th chapter here is the story of Isaac bestowing his blessing to Jacob. Many of you know that according to history of Old Testament guidelines and all of that, the blessing was intended for the eldest son, the firstborn son, Esau. But through deception, the blessing was given to this secondborn, Jacob, instead. You can remember, as I said, they had these sons, Esau and Jacob, and they were not anything alike. Esau was an outdoorsman with hairy arms and hands, and he loved hunting. He loved fishing. Jacob was more of a homebody. He spent a lot of time with his mother. He was a mama's boy, if you will, if you want to look at it that way. And their father, Isaac, had grown old, grown blind. (coughs) And he decides that it was time to pass on the blessing to his oldest son. That's what I'm basically talking about today is the blessing. There's something very significant concerning this blessing here that, that, uh, that Isaac here passed on to his boy. Jewish father's blessing, if you didn't know this, was a formal delegation of the father's leadership. It was a formal thing of the authority to the oldest son of passing down that authority. And since the oldest son was assuming the leadership responsibilities of the family, he also received a double share of his father's possessions. And so the bestowing of the blessing was a very important event that every family member and every elder son looked forward to. In verses 2 through verse 4, Isaac tells Esau, he said, I'm an old man, and I don't know the day of my death, and I want you to get your weapons, because he knew what kind of boy that he was. I want you to get your weapons, I want you to get your bow, I want you to go out into the country, I want you to hunt me some wild game, and I want you to prepare this wild game and bring it to me. I, I want to eat and enjoy what you prepare, that I may give you the blessing before I die. And so Esau leaves, and while Esau is gone, <laughs> Rebekah, his mother, seizes the opportunity to secure the blessing for her favorite, if you will. He, she quickly prepares some, some food, and she tells Jacob to put on Esau's best clothes to help fool this blind man, this old man Isaac. She puts goat skins on Jacob's hands and arms and to make them feel hairy like, her, like his brother. And she sends him in with the food to ask for the blessing. Verses 19 and verse 20, Jacob said to his father, I am Esau. Your firstborn. He, he lied to his father. I have done as you told me. Please sit up and eat some of my game so that you may give me your blessing. Isaac was suspicious because Jacob's voice didn't sound like his brother's Esau. And so he asked, how in the world, now this is just me paraphrasing, how did you find this game so quickly? How did you come across this game and prepare it so quickly? And Jacob again lies, and he says, The Lord your God gave me success. Verses 21 and verse 23, Jacob said to, Isaac said to Jacob, I want you to come near so I can touch you. Uh, he still wasn't convinced. I want you to come near so I can touch you. And to know really whether you are Esau or not. Jacob went close to his father, as you read in the Scriptures, and he touched him and said, The voice is the voice of Jacob, but the hands are the hands of Esau. Did not recognize him. His hands was hairy like those of his brethren. So then he proceeded, Sister Mavis, to bless this secondborn. 
The blessing that was given was found in, in verses 27 and 29. And he, he went in, the Bible says, and he kissed him. And when Isaac caught the smell of his clothes, he blessed him and he said, Oh, the smell of my son is like the smell of a field that the Lord has blessed. Now hold on, we're going somewhere. Just laying a foundation for you right now. May God give you of heaven's dew and of earth's richness and abundance, of grain and of new wine. May nations serve you and peoples bow down to you. Be Lord over your brothers and may the sons of your mother bow down to you. May those who curse you be cursed and those who bless you be blessed. And after he received the blessing from his father, he left quickly and shortly thereafter, Esau came in with the game that he had killed and prepared for his dad. He was ready to receive the blessing. Now you've got to get in the mind of Esau. He'd already been out, Brother Range, and he'd been doing what his father had asked him to do. He went out and he found the game and he took time to prepare the game and to clean the game and to cook the game. And he was so excited that he was getting ready to go in and be blessed by his father. But in verses 33 and 34, Isaac trembled violently, the Bible said, and said, who was it then that I blessed? Who was it then that hunted this game and brought it to me that I ate just before you come in? He already came and I already gave him the blessing and indeed he shall be blessed. Don't you find that interesting? He's spoken with his word. Could not he have said, I made a mistake. Send the other boy in. I want to bless him because this other one deceived me. I I, I want you to notice that because it was so significant back in the old days, in the Bible days, that the blessing was so significant. Dads, it's important that you bless your children. It's important what you say to your children and what you don't say to your children. It's important the load that you carry as fathers and men of God today. We live in a different world today. We live in a different culture today where fathers don't know if they're fathers or not. Please excuse me for what I'm I'm fixing to say. I'm I'm not trying to belittle anybody. But I hear it every week where somebody will come in and say, Oh, that's my baby's daddy. And they'll have four or five daddies. It's not funny. The culture that we live in, the society that we live in, the pressure that we live in as men today, and yet we live in this life and we wonder where is our role and where is our place. We want to receive the blessing. We want to do the right thing. But all these things are weighing heavy upon us. And we live in our mind, our, our culture and our mindset is, 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 is what used to be right is now wrong. And what used to be wrong is now right. We need help today. We need God today. We need our Heavenly Father to bless us as men and fathers and dads of God that we can rise up and be who we are called to be. Amen. Hallelujah. They had a deceiving going on. The mother was even part of this. And Isaac... It, 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 it hurt him so much that the Bible said he violently trembled because he knew what he had already done. I'd already blessed this boy. And indeed, he shall be blessed because I spoke the word. Oh, I'm about to tell somebody something. See, sometimes we miss the word of God that he speaks over our lives. We just bypass it anymore. We bypass it. And we don't think it means it. I'm going to tell you something. When God speaks, listen to his voice. 
Listen to the voice of God. Because of the voice of God, the Word of God, it will come to pass. Amen. Hallelujah. And the Bible said he violently trembled. Several years ago, Gary Smalley, who has passed away now, wrote a book called The Blessing. Some of you may have read that book. In it, he examined the blessing of Isaac that he bestowed upon Jacob. And he says, the blessing contains four ingredients, he said in this book, that ought to be present in every home today. I want to give you those four today. And when those four ingredients are present, and they are practiced consistently, then our children grow up solid today. Boy, there's preaching ground right there. We got babies raising babies. Pastor, this is supposed to be Father's Day. You're supposed to encourage us today. I am. But at the same time, I, I'm, I want us to stand up and recognize who we are in Christ. Who we are in Christ. Children grow up to be solid, secure, confident of themselves, able to go out into the world and function normally. Everybody say normally. But I want to tell you something. If those ingredients today are absent in the home, then too often children ends up like Esau, steeped in bitterness and steeped in anger. Let me give you the first one here. The first ingredient was this, a meaningful touch. A meaningful touch. The first ingredient, Dr. Smalley says, is a meaningful touch. Notice in verse 22, the Bible says, Jacob went close to his father who touched him. Verse 26 says, And his father Isaac came to him and says, Come here, my son, and kiss me. Now, this is not an isolated incident in Scripture because it happened before. Almost every time the blessing is bestowed in Hebrew culture, it involves the touch. It involves the laying on of hands. It involves the kiss and embrace something that conveys an acceptance, that it conveys a love that you have toward that child. Amen. In chapter 10 of the Gospel of Mark, it says that people brought children to Jesus so that he could what? He could touch them. He could hug them, embrace them. Jesus took them and placed them on his knee and laid his hands upon them. And the scripture says he blessed them. But we live in a day and time today that if you touch somebody and embrace somebody, it's taken wrong today. Hello, somebody. That's where we are today. Even in public today. Several years ago, I was reminded of this this last week. We was in Gatlinburg, and we was walking down the street in Gatlinburg. Me and Abby was walking, and we was reminded that several years ago, I was there with, with her, Karen. I don't know where she was, but we was there, and we was holding hands. And we was just walking down the street, just enjoying one another's company. And I, and I had people to look at me like I was some old crazy dude praying on this little girl. You understand the concept? Our mind, that's where it tends to go most of the time. And if I was to embrace her or kiss her on the mouth, come on, somebody, they'd have probably locked me up. But we've confused. You see how the enemy works? He's taken what's been sanctified by God. He's taken what's been truth by God, and he's twisted it and turned it around to something evil and bad anymore. And we wonder why our kids are screwed up today. We wonder why our thought process is screwed up. We wonder why our schools and our universities today teach what they teach today. Say, Pastor, you don't know what you're talking about. Just go to a university and sit in class one time. I promise you, some of you would be appalled at what's being taught today in our classes. The first ingredient was a meaningful touch. Jesus knew exactly what the children needed to feel loved and accepted, and he touched them and he blessed them. 
And I can tell you this this morning, that it's important to do that in our homes as well. Amen. When children are very small, you can't communicate love through words because they don't understand what you're saying. But the best way to communicate love to a very small child is by touching them and holding them close and caressing them and loving them and kissing them all over. Hello. That's good preaching. You give me my grandbaby, I'm going to kiss her all over. You give me my grandbaby, I'm going to hold her all over. You and my grandbaby, I'm going to do whatever she wants to do for a little while. I want you to think about this. Jacob. Jacob was 40 years old when, his, when Isaac touched him and kissed him to convey his blessing. But I want to tell us dads something. No matter what your age, personal contact, handshake, hug, kiss, embrace, it's important to communicate that love and acceptance. Amen. So it's a meaningful touch. The second ingredient that Dr. Smalley talked about was this. It was an out, it was a spoken message of affection and love. A spoken message. Listen to what he says in, in verse in, in the latter, latter part of verse 27. He said, Oh, the smell of my son, it is like the smell of a of a field. Now, that may not excite some of you. If your dads come up to you and say, Oh, you smell like a field. But Isaac was paying a huge compliment here. A huge compliment. You smell like a field. Now, now I suppose that, that, as I said, that's not going to be a compliment. You, you, but, but he said, you smell like an outdoorsman who, who thought he was speaking to Esau. The smell of the field about ready for harvest was a, was a great smell to this man. It was a compliment, a positive message that communicated his love. How many knows what I'm talking about when a, when a fresh spring rain comes, how refreshing that smells? You can smell it in the car even. If you're in the car driving, you can smell that rain. You see, many times parents are often quick to criticize and remind children of their mistakes. They'll say even today that we live, oh, you're a dummy. You, did you spill the milk? You're lazy. You're too fat. Words of criticism that really don't accomplish much. All they do is cause a child to withdraw. That happened to me yesterday. I, I, I didn't fall in that trap, but I'm thankful that I didn't. But Abby come in. Her and Karen was, was out doing something. She come in and she come walking like this. Daddy, you love me? Well, yeah. And I, I knew something was wrong. What'd you do? You know, that's my, what'd you do? Well, I was in line at Zaxby's or somewhere. And I thought my foot was on the brake. And I was showing mom something over here on my side and didn't realize my foot come off the brake. And I run into the back of this guy. And I've got a little small dent in the front of my car. Do you still love me? Now, I could have jumped up and said, no, you idiot. Why didn't you keep your foot on the brake? Watch what you're doing. Because we've all been there, right? But she says, aren't you going to go look at it? I said, no. Ain't no sense me looking at it now. If it's dented there, it's going to be a dent when I get up later on. It ain't going to go away. And there was a dent in the hood that she run in the back of somebody. Didn't hurt the other person, but just hurt her car. But we say these things and we're so quick to criticize many times. I can't tell you I've always been a perfect dad. I haven't. If Adam was here, he could tell you a time I yanked headphones off of his head. He, th he thought I was going to kill him because I got so mad at him one time. But we've all have been there, right? We've all been there. Don't look at me like I'm the only guilty one. Amen, oh me. We've been there. 
What do you do in that situation, Pastor? You apologize. You love some more, and you just let them know you're guilty. It's all right to be guilty sometimes. But it's more important to communicate love through words that say you're worth something. I'm glad that God gave you to us. You're better than any present I could ever receive, whatever that may be. You're better. Those are words that communicate acceptance and love, and they need to be spoken over and over again, even when your children stumble and even when they fall. Listen to me. Even when they mess up royally, do you not still love them? Yes. Say, Pastor, but they've done this real bad, bad, bad thing. I don't care. Jesus loved you, didn't he? He still loved you, and he sacrificed his life for you, did he not? That, he, that you might have a life. So we got, to, we got to pay them affection and love and care. The third ingredient is this. You've got to assure them of their value. Everybody say value. Value, value so important. Verse 28, the Bible says, May God give you of heaven's dew and of earth's richness and abundance of grain and new wine. And basically what he was saying, he said, You're special, and God's going to give you the best he has to give. And it's especially important to teach your children, You're so valuable that God even came into the world and died on the cross just for you. Amen. And that's true. God came and he died just for you. But it's, not, but it's not just by words. We teach this, this concept of, of assuring them of their value a number of ways. A lot of times when a child comes, we're busy. We have one eye on the TV and one eye on them many times, and we really can't concentrate on what they're saying. And so when a child comes to talk to you, there's times we just simply need to turn off the TV. I mean, I've had Abby and, and my kids come and say, Dad, are you, are, you, are you looking at me? Are you paying attention to what I'm saying? And I've got to be honest, sometimes I do and sometimes I don't. You've got to pay attention, and we've got to turn that TV off and lay aside the newspaper and listen to what they have to say. And it communicates to them that they are valuable. God placed children in your life that you can raise them and nurture them and bring them up in the fear and the admonition of the Lord. Amen. How many remembers a time, dads? Let me just talk to the dads. How many of you remember a time where you didn't think your dad knew nothing? You thought they were just old crazy folks, didn't know nothing. I remember that time. I remember thinking, my dad don't know nothing. I've come to him for advice, and he, this is stupid advice. He don't understand what I'm going through. He ain't listening to me. Only to find out in the latter years, the old man was smarter than I thought he was. <laughs> and still today, I used to, as a kid, I used to listen to dad preach. And he would get on this, this subject about dads, and he would, even, he would say when my grandfather, his dad, was, was up 80, 90 years old, he said, even today, if he would call me, and he was seven, eight hours away, if he, would, if he would call me today and tell me that he needed me, I would get in the car and I would go down to where he was to help him. And I, I used to listen to him say that, and, I, and, and, and he did do that. Now I understand, Sister Nett, what he, what he meant, because I would do the same thing if my dad would need me. And we all would. We would go, we would get up and we would go do, and we would try to help our fathers, because of what they placed in our life. The fourth thing is this. It's a picturing and giving them a picture. And giving your children a picture of a glorious future. A glorious future. In verse 29, Isaac said to Jacob, my, May nations serve you, and may peoples bow down to you. Be Lord over your brothers, and may the sons of your mother bow down to you. 
May those who curse you be cursed, and those who bless you be blessed. In other words, Isaac here is helping him to raise his sights. It's not going to be here all the time. I want you to look forward. I want you to look in the future. There's some things out there that's going to take place. I want you to understand that your future today is bright. You're not only going to be in the field all the time. You're not only going to be killing wild game all the time. You're not only going to be coming preparing this old man some food and, and some soup all the time. There's a future out there for you. You've got to understand those who's going to curse you, they're going to be cursed. Amen. Those that bless you will be blessed. And that's an important responsibility of parents today. We all know that passage in, in Proverbs 22 where it says, Train up a child in the way that he should go. And when he is old, he'll not depart from it. He'll not turn from it. We always make a spiritual application. Teach them the things of God. And when they're old, they'll not forsake them. But there's another application you need to understand. We're to help our children find their niche. We're to, we're to help them discover who they are. We're to help them... That understand that they have been made in the image of God Almighty. God made them special. Amen. Whatever it is. Let me ask you something, Mom and Dad. Are you willing to give up your child for whatever God wants them to do? Let me ask you something, Dads. Are you willing to give up them daughters for the way God, the way God would have them to go? What God would have them do? You know, we can say, oh yeah, we can do that, but until you're faced with it, that's a hard thing to do. That's a hard thing to do. So they're growing up. And we as dads and mothers, spiritual fathers and mothers, we've got to help them understand their gifts and talents and what, they, what they're best suited for in life, to counsel them, to guide them, to become the kind of person that God wants them to be. You know one of the best things that one of my kids can do, and they've done, Adam done it? Some of you probably saw it on Facebook. I, he, th- he, th- he thinks I'm the best dad there ever was. Now I've got him confused. Man, I've got him, I got him I've got him, you know, messed up. But I'm glad he thinks that. And I'm just going to walk in that. <laughs> I'm the best daddy there ever was. <laughs> but I'm thankful that they feel that way. Those of you that got up this morning and your children or your wife gave you a card or gave you something, that's wonderful. Those of you that got up and your wife didn't give you nothing. Wives. Go get them something. Or just take them to Walmart and say, I was going to buy this. I just want you to see it. <laughs> Let me stop here. This is not in my notes, but I feel, feel led to share this with you. I hope I can get this out in the right, right way. Dads and fathers, in my opinion, are devalued. More so than what we think. We live in a culture today that where they're pushing the fathers and fatherhood down. It's not cool anymore to be a father. Just go get somebody pregnant. That's cool. We live in a society today where we feel like that if we can have children with four, five, six, seven, eight, nine women, we think we're something. Can I stop here and tell you that, that dogs can get another dog pregnant? They don't take no, it don't take much to do that. But it takes a lot to be a father. It takes a lot to be the man who you say you are to stand up and take care of those kids. Take care of that wife. Take care of those responsibilities. But yet in our society today, we, we've pushed father, the role of fatherhood down. And excuse me, ladies, but we have, we have this, 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 this movement of ladies that wants to move up and, and, and take their place. 
I'm not opposed to any of that. I just think we got it, uh, we've got it unbalanced somewhat. God created the man first. And I'm not meaning that in a bad way. Hear me. Hear me today. I'm not meaning that in a bad way. But ladies, God created you to be a helpmate to the man. Because I'm going to tell you, we can't make it without you. I'll just, I'll just be honest with you. We can't do it without you. We can't. We're idiots. And I mean that in a good way. <laughs> it's as good as I can say it. We need you. We need you to be the helpmate. I'm, I can't tell you the times, Jeanette, that, that Karen has helped me, just caused me to think another way. I said, you know, that, that's right. I know you're sure. <laughs> you could have just said amen. <laughs> Husbands, if you'll, if you'll allow your wife to help you, they will. They'll, they will help you. They'll be a blessing to you if you'll just let them. Don't, don't disregard what God has placed in their life either. It's not going to make you any less of a man to listen to them. I promise you, they will help you. But in our culture that we live in, we've, we've, we've devalued, so to speak, the men and fatherhood. And we've got to, we've got to bring them back up to where they, where they take their rightful place. Listen to me, guys. You were created to be the priest of your home. You're the priest of your home. And if you're not fulfilling that role as a priest in your home, you will give an account to God one day. I promise you. You will stand before God one day and you will hear the words that he's coming out of his mouth. You've got to be the priest of your home. I'm not saying you've got to be Lord. You understand, when, the, when, when, when God created Eve, he, he took a bone out of, her, out of Adam's side, right? Not out of the head so, so she could, he could lord over her. Didn't take a bone out of, out of the foot so he could stomp on her, but out of his side so they could walk side by side together. Be a team together. Connect together. Be one together. Amen. Don't make the mistake some parents make by trying to get children to become even what they want to be. Let them become what God wants them to be. Have you ever saw that before where moms and dads is playing out the role of their life and their kids? Anybody ever noticed that before? I wonder how many people have tried to force their children into becoming a, something that God never equipped them to be. Our responsibility as parents is to help them see themselves for who they are and prepare them for that glorious future that's ahead of them. When you think about it, I, I honestly think that this is the mortar that holds the family together today. It's the mortar that holds the family together. A meaningful touch, a spoken message, assuring them of their value and picturing this glorious future. That's the mortar that holds families together today. Boy, I could preach a lot and say a lot concerning families today, but I, that's not what God gave me to, to, to tell you. But look, families are in trouble today. Families are in trouble today. This morning, God is the perfect parent who has conveyed to every one of us the ingredients of His blessing in just one verse of Scripture. You know this verse of Scripture. It says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Many of you are familiar, and I want the musicians, if they will, to come. Many of you are familiar with, with, uh, with the parable that, that we call the story of the prodigal son. We've preached about it. You've, you've, you've read about it in Scripture. But I want, I, want us, I want us to look at this again, just real quick. And, but I want us to look at it from a little different twist today. Some of you may have read a book that's called What's So Amazing About Grace by Philip Yancey. 
And in this book, Philip Yancey tells of a prodigal daughter who grows up in Traverse City, Michigan. This daughter was disgusted with her old-fashioned parents who she believed overreacted to the nose ring that she had, overreacted to the music that she listened to, overreacted to the length of skirts that she wore and she ran away after many, many years. And she ended up in Detroit where she met a man who drove the biggest car that she ever seen. The man with the big car, she calls him boss, recognizes that since she's underage that men would pay premium for her. So she goes to work for him. Things seem good for a while. At least no one is trying to change who she is with the nose ring and the short skirts and all of those things. But then she gets sick for a few days. And it amazes her how quickly this boss man turns mean. And before she knows it, she's out on the street without a penny to her name. She still turns a couple of tricks a night. And all the money goes to support the drug habit now that she's on. One night while sleeping on the metal grates of the city, she begins to feel less like a woman of the world and more like a little girl. She begins to whimper, God, why did I leave? My dog back home eats better than I do now. And she realizes that more than anything in the world, she wants to go home. Three straight calls from home, or to home, gets three straight connections with the answering machine. And finally she leaves a message. She says, Mom, Dad, it's me. I was wondering about maybe coming home. I'm catching a bus up your way, and I'll get there tomorrow night about midnight. If you're not there, I'll understand. During this seven-hour bus ride, she's preparing the speech for her father. And, and when the bus comes to a stop in Traverse City Station, the driver announces a 15-minute stop. Fifteen minutes, she thought, to decide her future. Fifteen minutes to decide her life. She walks into the terminal not knowing what to expect, but not one of those thousand scenes that she's played out in her mind prepares her for what she sees. There in the bus terminal in Traverse City, Michigan, stands a group of 40 brothers and sisters, aunts and uncles, a cousins and a grandmother, and a great-grandmother to boot. And every one of them is wearing party hats and blowing noisemakers. And taped across the wall of the terminal is a computer generated banner that says welcome home and out of the crowd breaks her dad and she stares at her dad with tears and quivering begins to memorize her speech and begin to say it and he interrupts her and he says child hush we don't have any time for that no time for apologies we'll be late because there's a big party waiting for you at home don't you think about that. Years ago, I was sharing with Pastor Cup earlier this morning, William Booth, the founder of Salvation Army, made a statement. When I read this statement, I've never read this statement before, Sister Mavis, it shocked me. I mean, shocked me. This is what he said. He said, I consider that the chief dangers which confront the coming century will be this, religion without the Holy Ghost. Christianity without Christ. Forgiveness without repentance. Politics without God. And heaven without hell. I read that, Brother Range, and I said, my God, this is where we are. Why is it? Does it seem like we can do whatever we want to do and there's no repercussion? We're there. 
Why is it that we think that we're forgiven all the time and yet we do not have to go and repent? Why is it that we can stand up and proclaim that we are a child of God and yet cuss every other word? We're there. I don't know how he knew that. It had to be prophetic. We're there. How is it that we feel like we can be religious without God's Spirit within us? I'm going to tell you something. We can't go nowhere without God's Spirit. We can't do nothing without the Spirit of God. And that is exactly where we are today as men of God. And I tied this into Father's Day, but reality, that's where we all are today. Moms and dads and boys and girls. I just wonder. I just wonder if we even realize anymore what the Word says. Do we even care what the Word says? I remember a scripture that says, Thou shalt not kill. But yet, even in our little city, Sister Ruth, we have killings all the time. It's amazing. I remember in Scripture where it says, Thou shalt not bear false witness against one another, but yet it happens all the time. Do we not listen to what the Word says? I remember where the Scripture talks about we're not supposed to go out and covet another man's wife or another woman's husband, but yet it seems like that's happening all the time. Do we not believe what the Word says anymore? We talk about all these things. And William Booth is right. We claim to have Christianity without Christ. That's exactly why people feel like they can do whatever they want to. It's exactly. It's exactly why they feel like they can go and do this or say this and live this kind of way. We don't have no repercussion. We, we have nothing to stop us anymore. It's, it's que sera, sera. It's exactly what he says. We can can have forgiveness without repentance. Well, I'll tell you something. This morning, this morning, God himself, God himself, our heavenly father, is offering to you and me an invitation to clean up. Listen, church member, to clean up. Listen, church council member, clean up. Listen, Sunday school teacher, clean up. To do what God has called us to do. And understand He wants and desires to bless His people. But we cannot deceive Him. You're not deceiving God. You can come in there and smell like you at whatever you want to smell like. Come into God and put all kind of goat skin over your your hands and arms all you want to. But God knows you. Come in and have the the porridge or the soup or the meal prepared however you want to. And it may smell good, but you're not deceiving God. Come in and dress however you want to. But Brother Hal, we're not deceiving God. God knows us inside and He knows us out. He knows us when we come before Him. He knows our heart. He knows the condition of of our soul. I'm not trying to be mean here, but listen to me. If you want to make it to heaven, we got to do right. We got to get clean. We got to clean up. We got to clean up our act. But pastor, I cast out devils in his name. I prophesied in his name. Yeah, there's a scripture about that. Jesus says, depart from me. I never knew you. Sister Lawson, that's what it said, right? Depart from me. I I never knew you. 
How, how, how in the world can somebody cast out devils in his name and prophesy in his name and still not be connected to Christ? How is that even possible? But it is. I told you several weeks ago that I read a story the other day of this mega pastor, mega church pastor, Pastor thousands and thousands of people growing every week, but yet he was in a two-year affair. Oh, you can get the semantics and you can get the, all the right things to do to grow the church, but his heart, Sister Sue, was not there. It was somewhere else. How is that even possible, you think? Whether we like it or not, some point in time, that man, along with you and I, we will stand in front of God. We will give an account. We'll give an account. A loving Father, a loving Father reaches down to touch us today. A loving Father reaches down to speak to you and I today. A loving Father reaches down to tell us today how valuable we are. We are valuable today. You are valuable. The person you're sitting beside, they're valuable today with God. They're valuable to God. They're valuable to the, to, the, to the work of Jesus Christ. They're valuable to the kingdom of God today. They're valuable, but yet we live our lives. Help us, Lord, as if we know not God. And my encouragement to you today, if you and I would just listen, if we'll just listen, and not only listen, but if we will respond to his call then he'll make us brand new I want every head bowed and eye closed real quick as they're playing softly dads I want to speak to you first you say Pastor Danny I, I've not always done what I needed to do as a father I've not always done what I needed to do as a dad I recognize that and I need help I need God to just somehow in some way come down in a in an awesome way and touch my heart to make me a better person to make me a better, a better father if that's you would you just lift up your hand and put it right back down I want to be a better father today thank you I want to be a better dad today you may be doing everything right and praise God for you you say pastor I'm not a dad but I'm a child of God but there's things in my life that I'm not walking the way that I need to walk. I'm not fulfilling my role as that valuable child of God that he's called me and that work that he's called me to do. I'm not fulfilling that. If that's you, would you just lift up your hand? But I want to do better. I want to do better. I want to do better. Thank you. I want to listen to him. I want to listen to his voice. I want to listen to his call. I want to listen to his call. Father, you saw every hand that was lifted up today. Hallelujah. You saw every dad, every father that raised their hands that's saying, God, they want to be a better person. They want to be a better dad. I, I, want, I want to be a better dad, God. I know that my kids are grown and almost out of the house. But that doesn't mean that I'm not a father anymore. It doesn't mean I'm not a dad. Help me to be a better dad than I was in the past.
Help me to be a better dad now, oh God, in these latter years than I was in the beginning. You've helped me come along the way. You've, you've taught me some things. You've shared some things with me. Help me to be that father that you've called me to be. Touch my heart right now. Father, you saw the other hands that went up by men and women, boys and girls alike, that knows, dear God, there's things and there's areas in their life that needs improvement. And they desire to walk with you. And I pray that you touch them today. I pray that you minister to them today. I pray, God, that you'd grab a hold of their heart today. Change those areas that need to be changed. Help us to be willing, oh God, to lay our pride down and lay whoever we are down and get out of the way so you can take first place. It's not about us. It's about you. And we'll give you thanks in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Would you do me a favor right before we move to some, another area? Would you just... We just wait right where you're sitting. We just lay your hand over on the person that you're sitting beside. Just lay your hand over there and just begin to pray for them. You never know what that person is going through. You never know what they're dealing with. You may think you do, but you may never know what they're going through, the struggles that they're being faced with today. Father, I pray that you touch every one of them. Strengthen them, God, I pray. Strengthen them, oh God, I pray. Bless them, God. Bless them, God. Encourage them today in the name of Jesus. Encourage them today, oh God, in Jesus' name. We thank you, Lord. We thank you. We thank you. Right before we close, I want all the dads, if you will, to come up front for me real quick. I want to have a closing prayer with you. All the dads, if you don't mind, you have to go, I understand. But if you're a dad, I want you to come up front. looking group of guys I know guys you'll understand what I'm fixing to say because we're dads we're, we're men we understand it probably more so than even women folk will but you carry a big weight on your shoulders and a lot of times you don't say nothing to nobody about you just keep it to yourself sometimes you feel like the people won't understand so that's why you don't talk about it sometimes you you feel like that your wife won't understand, so you just keep it hidden. You just carry that load because you're men. You're able to move on. You're able to get up, put one foot in front of the other. But we all, as men and dads, have weaknesses that we face every day. Every day. They range... Well, they're all different from every one of us depending on what we, who we are and what we have to go through. We have some young dads here and some middle-aged dads, some older dads, but your dads. That's very vital and very significant to me because God has given you that privilege and that authority and that honor to be a father, to be a dad.
true. Anybody can be a dad. We know that. But take somebody special to be a father. You know, you know, you know what I'm talking about, right? That I hang in there when the going gets tough. That I hang in there when things seem to go the wrong way. It doesn't go like you want it to go. And you get frustrated and you get angry. and You just wish that they would listen. Your kids, your wife. <laughs> and it's frustrating at times. But God has placed it upon your shoulders. He's, he's allowed you to be the priest of that home. That's heavy. Whether you realize it or not, that's a heavy thing. That Sometimes, Brother Scott, that, that bothers me. It shakes me up a little bit. Because I know of all my insecurities and all my failures, I've got to stand before God one day and say, God, I, I know I'm a priest of the home, and I, I let you down here, 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 here. And I pray that you've forgiven me about some of that stuff. But it's heavy. It's, you're the priest of the home. And we live in a day to where you, as a dad, are going to have to make decisions of what you allow in the home or not in the home. The course of your family's life, the course of your children's life, you have to make those decisions. They may not be real positive decisions. They may not even be real popular decisions. But as a dad, as a father, you got to make them. See, I'm just like you guys. When my kids were growing up, I said no about some things. They didn't understand why I said no. But I did. I understand, Josh, why I said no. They're they going to get it later on. But they didn't at the time. And I was unpopular as a father. But I still had to stand and say no. It's okay to do that. But my prayer for you guys today, as the priest of the home, as the Noah of your ark, you may not be able to get anybody else in the ark, but you ought to be able to get your family in there. That's a promise that God has given you. You say, Pastor, my kids are not living for God. That's all right. Keep praying for them. Keep talking to them. Keep encouraging them. God has given us that promise. I want you to bow your heads. Father, I want to ask you right now, all these dads that's in the front, wonderful-looking group of guys, I thank you for the men and fathers of this church. God, I want to ask you that you would touch them right now. That you would strengthen them right now. Lord, instead of putting a heavy down upon them, and sometimes we, we need that, but I'm asking God that you just pick them up today. Carry them a little bit. Let their load be lightened today. In the name of Jesus, we pray. I don't know what all of them are having to go through today and the struggles and the hardships that they're facing today. But God, I ask you right now that you would give them wisdom, give them strength, give them knowledge, give them encouragement. Let them be the priest of their home in such a loving way. May their children and may their wives even recognize a difference and a change in their life because of what you've done for them today. Let them not be the same. Let them not be the same. We'll give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen.